This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. It's Beyond Politics. I'm Matt Robeson. And look, I don't know about you, but the last few weeks, as we've watched House Republicans cycle through candidates for speaker, each more right wing than the last, and I mean that literally in the case of the guy they actually just chose, Mike Johnson, just wait for all the stuff that's about to be coming out on him. Oh, but... I kept hearing this reaction, talking to friends and family and listeners. Hey, how about the moderates just grab a consensus person? They do some power sharing. They do stuff that's down the middle that we all agree on. And it is a very appealing prospect. So in that vein, when a group called No Labels started talking about running a bipartisan unity ticket for president in 2014, it sounded appealing. And they have a lot of money. They have a lot of heavy hitters involved. And they promised that unlike other third-party candidates in the past, they weren't going to create any spoilers. They were actually in this to win. I, you may have heard about them. But now there's a new document that they themselves created that's raising major alarm bells that maybe they're up to something a little different than what they initially said. And there's a case that what they're really doing is paving the path to another Trump term. Kate DeGreuter is Senior Director of Communications at Third Way, an outstanding think tank in Washington, D.C. And Kate is here to tell us all about it. You guys were, you've been on this from the very beginning. And there's a little irony here for longtime listeners. You've probably heard of Third Way. You guys are, as your name implies, you're Democrats, but you're trying to occupy this space where it's like, hey, we can find some common ground. We can work with moderate Republicans to the extent that they still exist. Why have you been so laser focused on this issue of no labels? They seem to be on your turf. Yes. Great to be with you and talk about this. So Third Way is a center left think tank in Washington, D.C. No labels has been in that centrist public policy space for some time. We've known them. They've been around for about a little over a decade. And they've been really focused on bringing together Democrats and Republicans around what they describe as common sense governing solutions. Uh, they launched the Problem Solvers Caucus, which is a bunch of the most moderate Democrats and Republicans under the auspices of trying to actually get Congress functioning again. That's a laudable goal. But what they did more recently is something new that they've never done before. They decided to start playing in presidential politics. And we we learned about what they were doing. They actually did a big rollout in The New York Times back in September of last year that started raising our alarms. They've been raising money to launch a third party unity ticket. And their vision is to run a Republican and a Democrat together on the same um, ballot line for the White House in the 2024 cycle. That's a very difficult process, and they have been raising somewhere around $70 million to do all of the ballot access work that would need to be done if you are not running as a nominee from one of the traditional major parties. Our concern has been that they have said all along that they don't want to be a spoiler. They're in it to win it. And there have been numerous third-party candidates, I think most of your listeners and viewers may remember folks like Ralph Nader, Ross Perot. There's been a number of different folks, Jill Stein, 
who have attempted to run a third party candidacy. And we have never seen in the history of the United States a successful effort. And the danger here is that this is one of the most funded examples of a third party effort. And they are targeting exactly the moderate swing voters that are going to decide this election and who Joe Biden was able to successfully add to his column in the 2020 election in order to uh, deny Donald Trump a second term. And so our fear is that a lot of these third party curious or or soft partisan voters who helped deny Donald Trump a second term could be tempted um, to go back and, and support a third party. And that would result not in the election of this third party ticket, but in the reelection of Donald Trump. So what you're saying is on the surface, it's like that. It's like the uh, fictional idea of a group on the show Parks and Rec, the reasonablists. They sound so reasonable. No labels sounds like a great idea. I don't want to be defined by red versus blue, bloods and crips, whatever it is. I actually want to respect and live with my fellow Americans in this country. And so we're going to do like they did in the movie, my fellow Americans. We're going to run a bipartisan unity ticket and they've got problem solvers. That sounds really good. And what you're saying is, yeah, this all sounds really good. And the road to hell is paved with good intentions, which is a proverb I actually don't believe in. And you may have good intentions or you may have had good intentions at the start, but that's not the way it's going to work out. And just so people know the background here, when No Labels started, there was every reason for moderate Democrats to feel not bad about this whole thing. There were prominent Democrats who got on board, who endorsed some of their early efforts. Current Senator, then Governor Maggie Hassan was one of them out of New Hampshire. There were Republicans who were involved. The CEO is Nancy Jacobson, who is a former prominent fundraiser for the Democratic Party, very well connected inside the party. Do you think that up until recently, their aims really have been benign? Is this a turn that you're seeing here? Look, we... Anything that can shake loose some sort of bipartisan consensus in Congress, I think, is a laudable and obviously much needed effort. We have seen the absolute chaos that has been playing out over the last number of weeks. That said, diving into presidential politics and what they're actually doing is they are starting political parties in all 50 states. And they're doing so really without a lot of advanced planning about the infrastructure and the responsibilities and the ripple on effects of launching a political party as a dark money organization. That's technically what they are. They are they are straining the rules of our democracy in order to continue to accept unlimited donations from anonymous donors for as long as they possibly can while they are simultaneously registering as the no labels party. And they are now on the ballot as of this week in 12 states. And that includes three major battlegrounds, Arizona, Nevada, and North Carolina. And we know that they are on the ground in dozens more. Um, they are incredibly well-funded. They are aiming to raise somewhere around $70 million. And they've said recently they've got $60 million already raised. That is a staggering amount of money. And that is just for the ballot access campaign. That's not even like the money that they would spend in support of this presidential ticket once it's nominated. They're planning to launch that. We don't know who they're going to nominate, but what came out in the last week is that they've been talking for a long time about whether it will be a Democrat or a Republican leading the ticket. 
We have a bunch of reports that have finally come out that have confirmed things that we've been hearing quietly for some time, that their intention is to nominate a Republican for president. And they released some ballots, some data, which we'll get to, I'm sure, in just a minute here, that shows that their claims that they can win the election outright don't match the data that they have had in their possession that they fielded from their own pollster this summer that shows that there is no path to victory, but that they could deny both Joe Biden and Donald Trump the necessary 270 votes in the Electoral College, which would then force a contingent election, sowing just right. chaos. And what they seem to believe is that could provide a leverage point where they could play kingmaker and right. believe that is their new, very dangerous objective. If they had come at this from the start when they said, OK, we're, we're going to get it to the presidential level here. And they had said, our aim is to be this year's Ralph Nader or Gary Johnson or Jill Stein. People would have said, no, that please don't do that. That's terrible. Don't want that. There is a lot of boy, I sound I'm very Trumpian about this. There has been exceptional analysis from places like 538 that makes a compelling case that, for example, in 2016, the presence of Jill Stein on the third party ballot was what tilted the election. It certainly may have in Wisconsin. It could have had a significant impact in other states and other of those Rust Belt states where Hillary Clinton didn't fare so well. Gary Johnson, his presence on the ticket, major factor. Those of us who are old enough to remember the less said about Ralph Nader, the better in 2000. There is, and I think there is a very strong case that Ross Perot is the reason that we had Bill Clinton in the first place in 1992. My point is, if you were setting out to say, we want to be a third party spoiler, you're not going to get very far. So they very explicitly said, and they may have meant it at the outset, we're not doing that. We're in it to win it. Sounds good. What you're saying is, we should have all had an Admiral Akbar moment. It's a trap because now you have this new presentation that you've unearthed that tells a very different story. There's been a turn. All right, let, let's get into what that is. You guys, this is how this came to my attention because I always pay attention to what you guys put out. You guys put out a, a memo about this that you had followed a, a presentation, a, a chart that they had put out based on polling that no labels had done that suggests a major turn in strategy. And you started to allude to this a moment ago. Let's see if we can just hit it from a 30,000 foot level before we get into the details. What you're saying is that if their initial strategy was we're in it to win it, we're, we're gonna put out a ticket, they're gonna win. Now their strategy is to disrupt the ability of Joe Biden to win in critical swing states. Why? That would give them a moment of leverage to try and influence the outcome of the presidential election and potentially to negotiate until they are satisfied and then try to then promise if they can win a handful of electors, which I will caveat is a very high bar, even for a third party effort like no labels. But they seem to believe that if they could win a few states and, and get a handful of electors, they could use those as a bargaining chip to try and negotiate in order to influence the outcome of the election. Got it. Okay. Just to review here for people who haven't been in this mindset since 2020, where um, we were trying to shut it out of our brains. So the way it works is you have to get to 
270 electoral college votes to win the presidency. And if you do not have a candidate who reaches that threshold, then you have a contingent election. It, it gets thrown to the House of Representatives and it's, boy, is it complicated at that point. We can get into some of those weeds. But what you're essentially saying is that no labels seems to have revealed that their strategy is no longer to win. What they want to do is win just enough electoral votes to get into this kind of a situation and be kingmakers. That's right. And just to level set for a moment, I think we've all seen the, the U.S. map where each state has a different number of electoral votes. No labels claim that they can win outright, which they are con continuing to repeat even this week, would require them winning not one, not two, but every single one of the battleground states. That alone gets them to something like 79 electoral votes. You said you need 270. So in order to make up that gap, then no labels would also need to run the table in states that went for both Joe Biden and Trump by anywhere from 10 to 30 points. So they are claiming that they could win Delaware, the president's home state. That is flat out not going to happen. And Illinois, which is a, a, a Biden plus 17 state, right. because won that state by 17 points. And they would also have to win deep red states like Missouri or Tennessee that went for Donald Trump by 15 and 23 points. What the data that we saw and that this memo points out this week shows, they don't believe that they can win all of the states that were decided by less than 2% of the vote in 2020. That means there is zero chance that they could win states that were decided by 10 or 15 points. It is not going to happen. And that makes their campaign the definition of a spoiler. And what we show in this data is that this is a spoiler effort that hurts Joe Biden and that would benefit Donald Trump in the end. And we can walk through more of that. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Okay, so let's get into it. And this is the part of the discussion where if you're listening on audio, you'll take my word for it. I'll, I'll try and summarize it at a high level. But if you're watching on video, we'll splash this slide, which I have to emphasize comes from no labels. This it's is a confusing slide. It takes a minute it, to digest. This is in your own words. But here's what I see when I look at this. They conducted polling and they looked at swing states. They're still defining Florida as a swing state. That's ambitious. They're looking at Arizona, Florida, Georgia, Michigan, Nevada. By the way, you pronounced that correctly earlier, which is fantastic. It shows that you're a politics pro. North Carolina, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. And what they show is that if it's just Biden versus Trump, then Biden's doing okay. He's not doing great. He's down eight in Arizona. He's down five in Florida. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. He's down five in Georgia. But then there are these toss-up states and Michigan, Nevada, North Carolina, ahead in Pennsylvania. But then if you introduce a third party 
it seems to take all kinds of states and move them into the toss-up category. That's right. So what we see in this poll reflects what we've seen in tons of other polling by Democratic, Republican, and neutral organizations. In a two-way race where it is just Joe Biden versus Donald Trump, it's a close race, but Joe Biden is in the driver's seat. He's got a narrow edge, and by no label's own data, the states that uh, Biden has in Pennsylvania and then narrow edges in Michigan, Nevada, and North Carolina would hand him the White House. That would be a Joe Biden victory right there. What happens then when you add in a third-party ticket? They explored two different options. One option, which on the right of this slide, is if they run a, a moderate independent who is a Democrat in the presidential ticket for this third party bid. Let's say a guy like, I don't know, I don't want to give away too much, Mo Jansen. Somebody like that. Yeah. Somebody like that. Somebody like that. What we see there is a landslide victory in the battlegrounds for Donald Trump. Trump ahead by 10 points in Georgia, eight points in North Carolina and Arizona, seven. Like that is a very decisive Donald Trump victory if they run a third party ticket with a Democrat on top. And you're saying, by the way, just to interject, that's not in their interest to do that. And what their own polling is showing is there's forget no labels, no point. Right. If, if no labels is in this with a Democrat, a former Democrat as running as an independent at the top of the no labels ticket, then it just hands Trump the White House, period. And an observation just for a second, Please. because. No Labels has been drawing this profound false equivalence to suggest that Joe Biden and Donald Trump are equally extreme. Unacceptable, uh, I think, is the candidates. And so the whole issue that they have been trying to suggest is that they are going to run a moderate, however they define it, that's not actually Joe Biden is still a mystery. But when you look at a generic moderate third party ticket, Joe Biden outperforms uh, the Democratic moderate by a fair amount when you look at the Biden-Trump race versus a Democratic moderate on that. All right, can I go back at you on that? Thank you, because I feel like I'm taking crazy pills here. I get dark Brandon, like the let's go Brandon thing, maybe a little tiny bit, except I don't. Where did this idea come from that Joe Biden is some kind of nutso, Ilhan Omer, progressive warrior? Uh, what is this all about? Come on, man. Just to quote the president, what, what's happening here? The mind meld that you have to try and understand. We were talking at the beginning about how No Labels has allies in Congress. Let me just quickly recap a number of the different legislative accomplishments that Joe Biden has achieved during his first uh, term here. We have bipartisan laws on gun safety passed for the first time in 30 years. We have an bipartisan infrastructure bill that was the key focus of a lot of these problem solvers that are closely associated with no labels. We have the Chips and Science Act to rebuild domestic manufacturing in chips and semiconductors, also strongly bipartisan. And we had the Inflation Reduction Act, which was single-handedly negotiated by a very close no labels ally, Senator Joe Manchin. And so all of these massive victories that brought together Rate reasonable folks on both sides of the aisle were accomplished under Joe Biden's leadership. And yet no label simultaneously wants to deny him any credit for those victories that they actually yeah. are. They, they claim they've yada, 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 the most important part. OK, this whole idea of clearly, obviously, Joe Biden is too far to the left and Donald. What the fuck? 
They these are not the same. These are not the same. One is an insurrectionist who tried to overthrow American democracy, who totally screwed up COVID, leading to excess deaths of, according to Deborah Burks, according to his own leader on COVID response, he killed 400,000 Americans. Donald Trump has the worst economic performance of any president since Herbert Hoover, literally since the Great Depression. He lost 2.9 million jobs. Unemployment ended under Donald Trump at 6.3%. I have to calm my voice. I have to like- Your happy place for a minute. Okay, yes, help me, Kate, my gosh. Oh, and by the way, for all these right-wing nutjobs who are like, we are spending too much money, except when it's on Donald Trump's tax cuts. Hello, Donald Trump increased the debt by over 50%. All right, anyway, I just- The tail of the cape doesn't match the story that they're trying to tell. It's not so time. All right, we have to get back to it, but I'm glad that you raised that. So- When we last left our heroes, you were just saying no labels, according to their own polling, says there's no point to running a Republican, I'm sorry, a Democrat at the top of the ticket because it just hands Donald Trump the White House. We don't want to do that. Aha. But if they run a Republican nominee, which they have said that they are looking to do, there's a Wall Street Journal where they pointed out this whole data. They released it very publicly. When you look at that middle column that shows what happens when you run a Republican third-party ticket in a three-way race, they do not win all of those states. Joe Biden is up ahead in Pennsylvania, and there are a number of other toss-ups. It's a little bit unclear exactly how they labeled this, but the net result is not going to be a 280-point victory for a third-party ticket. They are going to deny both Joe Biden and Donald Trump from winning the necessary states to get to 270 points. That could then force a contingent election, which means that uh, it would trigger a provision in the 12th Amendment where the decision of who wins the White House gets thrown to a vote of the House of Representatives where they vote by delegation. It's an unusual format. We don't see this play out often. The way it would work is each, Meaning each state gets one each vote delegation gets one vote. So California, with 39 million people, gets one vote for their entire delegation equal to the 600,000 people represented by the delegation of Wyoming, which is, by the way, I believe a single person. And Republicans currently control 26 delegations. Democrats control 22. So if each delegation gets one vote, guess who wins? That right. is going to be a Donald Trump presidency. Now, what you are suggesting, though, in this memo is as if that doesn't sound complicated enough, perhaps slightly more complicated, just slightly, because you brought up this kingmaker idea. Is there real intention here, if they can win a few electoral votes, to rely on faithless electors, basically, to be able to say, Our ticket controls the votes of these electors. We can instruct these electors to go in and choose Biden or Trump and hand them, even before we get to a contingent election, hand them the presidency. They talked about this on CNN. Their chief strategist went on national television and said there's a surprising number of states that have unbound electors, which means they are not constitutionally required by the laws of their state to vote in accordance with the will of the people that sent them there. And so no label sees a moment of opportunity where they might be able to persuade these people to 
do something different than the voters in those states would have them do in order to influence who ends up winning the election in 2024. Now, this is a process that there are not a lot of laws and guidance um, in how it would play out. So for folks who went into the weeds, there was a lot of questions about the Electoral Count Act and what that process looks like in a contingent election. It's a grab bag. It's the Wild West. It's, it's totally West. the Wild West. And and I would note that like the the folks that are currently in power in the House of Representatives would be well positioned to exploit that in the most chaotic and dangerous way for our democracy. And so there's a lot of concern that the label seems to think this is a moment of opportunity where just about everybody else sees incredible peril for our democracy. There's a lot in this. One thing is that if, look, if we were in a parliamentary democracy, then this is literally the setup of the system. You try and win a few, in this case, seats in parliament so that you have a little bit of leverage over the formation of a government. So you could almost see a version of this. If this, if there were like a sane Republican to go up against Joe Biden, you might almost see a version of this where you could say, well, all right, maybe we can live with this because maybe there would be a negotiation here. You have both, both Biden and sane Republican. I even think of who that might be, but you have both of them. And neither of them can get to 270 on their own. And there's a negotiation in the back room. And you say, okay, Joe Biden, we're going to throw our electoral votes to you. But the secretary of state is going to be the person who was at the top of our ticket, Mo Janshin. And he says, done. That's a good deal. And maybe everyone's happy from this. This all seems fine, except for remembering the fact that this is an extinction level event for America. If Donald Trump is reelected to a second term, I cannot stress enough, and we don't have enough time on the show for me to lay out all the reasons why this me, is an extinct, please do. Let me just say, there have been politicians and aspiring leaders throughout American history who have been angling for a plum appointment. They have wanted to be voice, vice president. They have wanted to be secretary of state or have some other high level in a new administration. That is not new in American politics. This is how Lincoln got the 13th Amendment. But passed. using this dangerous precedent to try and create that leverage is something that we have never seen before. And I, I would just submit that in the wake of the big lie in January 6th, I was a House staffer for six years. I watched that play out. I know every hallway that I watched those just those scenes of chaos play out in on national television. The danger of a scheme that is designed to pressure faithless electors to do as they're instructed by a small group of elites should be incredibly obvious to all of us. This is not this is not something that we need to play lightly with. These are combustible times. We know that people are looking to exploit division in this country. And this would be just like throwing a chaos grenade into the American government at a moment where we need to be rebuilding and not. Yeah, that's a killer people. point. No, that is a killer point. But actually, that's not the right word to use in this context. That is no, a great point. Yes. <laughs> We're right. trying to avoid that. Yes. Exactly. No, absolutely perfect point. We were within a few strands of spinal tissue in Mike Pence from the end of American democracy. His refusal to go along 
with the Eastman scheme, which was also the Kenneth Chisborough scheme, which we're finding out more and more about as lawyer after lawyer for Donald Trump turns against him in the Georgia case. We were so close. By and the way, the it was the Mike Johnson scheme too. Who was oh, I, yes, thank you. Yes, out. that's exactly what I was about to say. Yes, with aided and abetted by the man who's now second in line to the presidency. Wonderful times we live in, and we we were just we were so close. We were so close to the end of it all, and the idea that it's let's mess around with that is pretty astonishing. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. When you're doing so in the name of like common sense, unity, and, and what we're doing is undermining the faith of the American people that their system is going to safely and securely elect the person who they chose. Right. And this is the way to get back to the middle, the happy center middle of American politics. There's another aspect here, like a dog that didn't bark in this whole slide presentation that you've been talking about, which is what I don't see on here. There are all kinds of scenarios. You do the math and, and you say, if we believe they're polling, which you also lay out some reasons to not totally believe what they're saying here. This might be the best case scenario, but if you believe they're polling, you could end up with, essentially, it's like Biden, Trump, 260 to 262. You're within a few electoral votes either way. There are a couple of states that award single electors. There's Nebraska and there's Maine. I, in Congress, work for the member of Congress who represented the second district of Maine, which is the swing district currently represented by Jared Golden. It's not that hard if you've got $70 million to train your firepower on a single congressional district, especially a place that's in a small media market where it doesn't cost a lot to buy stuff like Nebraska or Maine. And so you see this lineup of swing states, but it doesn't take focusing on all of them. What they could end up deciding is we're going to focus on Georgia, Arizona, Maine and Nebraska's second congressional districts. And that could be a way if they're able to laser focus like that and use all of their 70 million bucks on that kind of an effort and basically run for president to be kingmaker of two states and two congressional districts, it could work. And that's in part why we are sounding the alarm about what is happening. I think the no labels leadership has been suggesting that this is a totally benign effort that they're in it to win it. And we don't see ev any evidence that is remotely possible. Just for a little bit of historical context, Teddy Roosevelt ran as a third party candidate. He'd already been president and he's literally carved into Mount Rushmore. He got 88 electoral votes. And if you add together all of the third party candidates in the last century, together, they would not have enough electoral votes to win a single election. So the threshold for winning is extremely difficult. And, and the claims that they continue to make show that they are not taking seriously the, the data that shows that there is no path to win all of the states that they would need to. And so we are really sounding the alarm that this is the definition of a spoiler campaign, that it is not something that we believe is gonna pull equally from Donald Trump and, and Joe Biden. We believe that Democrats, because they have been successful in persuading soft partisans, folks who we call them double haters. If you're somebody you don't like either side, you're a double hater. And Democrats lost those in 2016. It's, it's a part of the reason why Donald Trump was able to get elected is we hear people talking about the lesser of two evils. 
Unfortunately, in the 2016 election, a lot of those people who felt that way did not end up voting for the Democratic ticket. Part of how Joe Biden won was by reversing that. He worked very hard to say, Republicans who are uncomfortable with what you've seen in the Trump administration, if you are a moderate, if you are somebody in the mainstream, I want you to be part of my coalition. And he was able to win third party voters and people who disliked both candidates by double digit margins in the 2020 election. But that also means that there are more soft voters, people who might be tempted to to back off. They're not rabid Joe Biden fans necessarily, but they were convinced to vote for him in 2020. There are more of those voters who would be prospects for a third party ticket in the Democratic column than in the Republican column, in part because the two parties coalitions are just not the same. There are just flat out more hardcore conservatives. We see that you can run hard right in the Republican primary and win. The path for Democrats to win elections is to build a coalition. Democrats need to win like a super majority of moderates. If you don't get somewhere around 60 percent of moderate voters, Democrats generally don't end up winning those elections. So moderate voters are much more important to Democratic victories than they are to Republican victories. And that's why so many Democrats are so worried about this effort. Look, two things. One, I think in a way we almost buried the lead on this when we got in the middle of our discussion to the fact that no labels treats Biden and Trump as equivalents. That is disqualifying to me. Anyone who can't see the vast chasm of difference between those two men clearly it does not have good intentions, clearly is missing something so basic, so fundamental that they cannot be trusted with anything else they have to say. So the mere fact that's where no labels is coming from should disqualify them in everyone's mind. But the other thing that this all reminds me of is I did a what's called a tabletop exercise, essentially, when I was in grad school with former national security leaders who were White House advisors, presidential advisors, and they they constructed this scenario, a second Cuban Missile Crisis. And the idea was the Russian early warning system for nuclear attack was on the fritz. And they were afraid that we were about to launch missiles. And so we had to decide, you had to advise the president, what do you do here? What do you do? Because they might be about to start a nuclear war. And we had a former Air Force general come in and say, here's what I would do. I would drop a whole bunch of tin foil over their electrical grid because that would knock out their power and that would stop us. And it occurred to me, oh my gosh, people like this actually have been in charge in scenarios like this. Do you realize that if we fly bombers over Russian airspace, they're going to think that we're coming to bomb them. They're going to launch nukes and that's the end of the world. Do you realize that's the very first thing you cannot do is fly into Russian airspace? This whole scenario with no labels really reminds me of this idea of as a threshold, if you don't foresee the danger of what we must avoid at all costs is a Donald Trump second term. If that's not your fundamental organizing principle for everything you do, then you cannot be trusted. You are inherently dangerous to America. That's my rant. Kate, what do we do to stop this bad thing from happening to us? Tell me you have a solution. So our hope is to call on no labels to stand down. They are planning to hold a convention in April of 2024 in Dallas, Texas. This is where they say if they're going to go forward, 
that's when they intend to nominate the ticket that would be on the ballots for voters in the 2024 election. After that point, their ability to stand down and pull those candidates back off the ballot gets very difficult very quickly. So our focus is on bringing as many voices into this conversation to say, no labels, what you're doing is incredibly dangerous, and to join us in calling on them to stand down. Leaders across the Democratic ecosystem, we are from the center left, but there are voices, folks that we don't always agree on, on some of the minutia of policy arguments, but folks from the, the far left of the party to the center to a whole bunch of never-Trump Republicans, there are even former No Labels co-founders who have resigned in protest because of the concern about what their plan would do, who are part of a coalition making the case publicly and saying, this is dangerous, this is going to hurt our democracy, and it is going to reelect Donald Trump and No Labels, you need to stand down. If you have a, a member of Congress in the Senate, a governor who hasn't spoken out about this, more and more people are being asked about it every day, in part because they're getting on the ballot in more states all the time. And so we are really encouraging folks, look at the data, understand that this is very likely to reelect Donald Trump, and that any third-party effort that divides the pro, the anti-Trump majority is likely to clear his path to re-election. So that's our focus over the next few months is trying to get them to stand out. There's always the opportunity to do the right thing. They continue to say that if the numbers aren't there, which we would argue is already the case, but they say, if we can't win, we'll stand down. So we want them to take that exit ramp. We want them to take the dignified exit and say, you know what, you're right. I think we can focus on other things. They should do that for the health of American democracy. And to bring this full circle, first of all, just to underline the point you were just making, there was a recent op-ed, uh, including by the president of your organization, the executive director of Move On, the CEO of the Center for American Progress. You're not kidding when you say that this is something that unites all flavors of the Democratic Party. And I think that's a great note to end on, this idea of, look, I've engaged in a little bit of pointed dunking on no labels here because of my level of alarm. That said, to go back to where we were at the beginning, their initial aims, the things they're talking about from the outset are laudable. They are good things. They're things that you and your organization identify with, the idea of we need to get back to working with reasonable Republicans, working on things that a broad swath of Americans can agree on. That's a wonderful thing. And I'm with you. I wish that no labels would recognize this danger, say, you know what? You're right. It's cool. We're going to redirect to those core principles, which is something that I think a lot of us can get on board with. Kate, thanks so much for running all of this down with us. It's incredibly important. This is uh, scary stuff. And I hope that they will get the message. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk on it about all this. It's vitally important. Third parties could be the decisive the decider of who wins the 2024 election. So this conversation is really important and it's going to continue.